Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. Jerry, don't let us for the moment. We have the stars. Spartacus! I'm Spartacus! To infinity and beyond! This is Simon Rose. You're listening to the Business of Film on Share Radio, where I'm joined as ever for the first time this year by James Cameron Wilson. So, James, um, Christmas period traditionally very good for cinemas, but of course we don't live in normal times. We certainly do not. But I'd like to start the new year with some good news. And because everybody was on holiday, what better way to spend it than go to the cinema? So from the previous weekend, box office takings were up 43.1%. And there are some enormous jumps, which I will be revealing to you now, in fact. And we'll start with the incredibly successful film at number one, Spider-Man No Way Home, which bounced up 31% with 6,055,000 quid um, in the bank. It, yeah, it made a, to, um, total, it made a total now of 70 million, which is wow. extraordinary. So, yeah, and, and it it's, 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 yeah, it, I mean, its take was staggeringly high almost immediately here and in the States, wasn't it? But I've been seeing um, several people writing about how cinemas are now warning people not to give away things from near the end as they leave because they've been apparently fisticuffs. When people have objected to hearing what's going to happen before they actually enter the cinema. Well, as I said in my review, it's very similar to No Time to Die, that mm. there are surprises, which is part of the sweetness of the package. And I wouldn't dream of divulging any of those surprises. <laughs> I still can't decide whether to go or not. I suspect I'm probably not the target audience. Though you did say you had you fun. You probably are not the target yeah. audience. Yeah. Simon. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just get confused. I'd start asking questions of the people next to me, and I get thrown out. Okay, <laughs> so that Spider-Man is number one, and by some considerable way, so it was, it was over six million. Um, six million fifty-five thousand over the weekend, with a total oh. of seventy million. Wow. Amazing. That is, that is extraordinary. Uh, we have a new film at number two called The King's Man, which made three and a half million pounds sterling, which is, uh, well, it's, I suppose it's an Origins reboot, but mm. it's also a prequel to Matthew Vaughan's spy spoofs, King's Man, The Secret Service, and King's Man, The Golden Circle, both of which I loved with Taron Egerton. Mm. It's a very unlikely spy. This is totally different in tone. In fact, it's got many different tones. And I did watch, I started watching Kingsman, The Secret Service, the day before to, to get into the right mindset. Mm. And I'd forgotten what a terrific opening that film has. And you just whisked along. But the opening of The Kingsman is very different. It, we, we are in 1902. It's in South Africa. 
and there's this sweeping Maurice Jarre type score mm. and this astonishing vista of South Africa in the middle of nowhere. And you see this car pull up by a military outpost. And this six-year-old boy, Conrad Oxford, who is a leading character in the film, mm. turns to his mother and says, why are we here, Mama? Now, in real life, I think the kid might have thought to pose that question before they left <laughs> yes. their pile in Oxford, yes. instead of just arriving in the middle of the desert in South Africa. And th these things really do annoy me. And I think the script really needed some working on. There are, there's one line, Jaimon Hounsou plays an acrophobic manservant to the leading character, Oxford, played by Rafe Fiennes. And he says, if God had meant us to fly, he would have given us wings, which is such mm. a cliche. But anyway, this feels like a kind of history lesson. It leaps forward. It's just an extraordinary cross between Lawrence of Arabia and Black Adder and mm. 1917 and Indiana Jones. It, it's rather like being trapped in a runaway car in which the gears keep on changing of their own accord. Some mm. of it is terribly moving, but there is so much story and history, and it's sort of partly reinventing history. But halfway through, it's not a short movie, but halfway through, I kind of got into it mm. and sort of enjoyed it. There are funny accents, starry cameos, and Tom Hollander, who's always good value, playing three different characters. Alison Stedman has one line. And there are fleeting cameos. <laughs> I thought, it was that Alison Stedman? It was. Uh, there are fleeting cameos from Aaron Taylor Johnson, who was in Matthew Vaughan's Kick-Ass, of course, and, and mm. Stanley Tucci. There's a lot going on. I, I thought some of the dialogue was risible. But I think Ray Fiennes is a very undervalued comic talent, as we know from the Grand Budapest Hotel. And, of course, mm. in Bruges, in which he was hysterical. That is true, yes. Yes, he's done very little. I'm just trying well, nothing else comes to mind. No, you probably would know before me. But there seems a shame in a sense. Yeah, I mean he does like the classics. And of mm. course he directed Coriolanus yes. played Coriolanus. Yes, that wasn't a bundle of laughs. And now he's doing a one-man show. No, 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 indeed. But he is can be very, very funny. Mm -hmm. And he, he's completely um deadpan throughout this. And there's one extraordinary sequence with Rhys Iffens as Rasputin with a very thick Russian accent who's determined to defeat the British Empire. It, it's sort of rewriting history. It's very much boy's own. Hmm. But the whole sequence at the front, where we actually see the grown-up Conrad Oxford, is terribly moving. Uh, it's just a kind of tonal mess, ultimately, but not without its the entertainment factor. Okay, so that's The King's Man number two in the chart. Yeah, and jumping, hold on to your seat, Simon, by mm. 122%, Clifford the Big Red Dog, which made 779,000 for a total of 6 million now, which I rather enjoyed, mildly speaking. I think Jack Whitehall <laughs> is very engaging. The problem I had was with the dog. I think the dog stinks. 
But mm. the rest of the movie is quite nice. Quite Dogs sweet. do tend to stink, James. Well, yeah, we mm. do get a bit of that in Clifford <laughs> the Big Red Dog. Number four, yeah. we've got a, well, a film I haven't talked about yet called The Matrix Resurrections, which went down 72% from its opening weekend. Uh, yeah, this is obviously is a continuation of mm. the Matrix trilogy, which began in 1999. And I think probably you, like most people, love The Matrix. I watched it again recently. I don't think it has actually dated very well. But then sci-fi has moved on so much. Uh, probably yes. a lot of it due to The Matrix. And then, y- course, Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, in 2003, we had the double bill of The Matrix Reloaded and The Matrix Revolutions, which they shot back to back. So I started watching The Matrix again, again to get into the right mindset, and which was just as well, because the opening of Matrix Resurrections is the same, except oh. they've reshot it. So you've got Trinity, played by Carrie Ann Moss, sitting at a computer with her back to the audience, and these goons break in, and the FBI turn up at the sort of disused hotel uh, at, the, at the entrance on the street, and she knocks the hell out of these cops, and then there's a sort of race uh, along the rooftops, and she's somersaulting and avoiding bullets miraculously. Mm-hmm. And apparently all this is because somebody is using old code, Simon. And as somebody else says, we are all trapped in the same repeating loops. More tellingly, there's a boardroom meeting where we've got Thomas Anderson played by Keanu Reeves, where somebody is saying, why would Warner Brothers make a reboot or a prequel to a trilogy that's been really successful? And another suit says, well, we all know that reboots make money. So if Matrix isn't a mind, what's the word, Um, (laughs) to put it gently, if it doesn't mess with your mind already, it is very, very meta. And and you've got lines like, Captain, I'm tracking a whole lot of weird. It's like Free Guy, but without the humour, or indeed the logic. It's Mm. two and a half hours. I couldn't wait for it to finish. And And if you're not confused enough, it's directed by Lana Wachowski, who's one half of the Wachowski sisters, who, of course, used to be the Wachowski brothers. Indeed. Which adds this whole other realm of, of yes. the unusual, shall we say. Whereas Keanu Reeves spent most of the movie saying, in his best Bill and Ted voice, this can't be happening. Or, <laughs> no, it can't be. Right. Uh, no. It is so self-indulgent. Hmm. And you just yes, don't know what's um, going on. And w- w- when you don't believe which reality you are in, you can't really invest in it emotionally. Yes. I, I found it really turgid. I mean, it's wonderful special effects, but really turgid and heavy, hard going. Oh, well, that's a great shame, James. A great shame. Um, though, of course, apparently all these people who said they knew what the Matrix was really about have had to revise their, their opinion. Um, given the uh, the change in the Wachowskis, it's all to do with that. But who knows? Maybe I'll go back and watch the first one, even though it seems to have dated, but I lost interest a little after that. Uh, James, time for us just to take a breather before we go down the chart. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. Mm. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Simon Rose. You're listening to The Business of Film on Share Radio, where I'm in conversation with James Cameron Wilson as we descend, uh, looking at the weekend box office chart in the UK. So we've got down to number four, The Matrix Resurrections. Uh, what to pray is number five. Well, bearing in mind that The Matrix Resurrections fell by 72% over the last weekend, mm. at number five, we have West Side Story, which went oh. up 87% which is really good news because we both love this movie. Uh, it's now made a total of 5,088,000. So I'm glad to see that people are, well, word of mouth surely had a lot well, to do with Yes, that. Well, yes, which is, jump. as we've said before, is something that is far harder these days because movies don't hang around as long. Uh, I, I would like to correct you slightly. I didn't love West Side Story. I thought it was fantastically made. And I was very impressed with a lot of the, the singing and the cinematography and, and much else. But it's just not a musical I particularly care for massively. So I wouldn't want to see it again. However, many arguments over the Christmas table with my, my um, partner and her daughters, who are very, very keen on it. So it's just me, I think, really. And Gosh, clearly, you are the uh, one dissenting voice yeah, I've yes. heard. Yeah, I just don't like West Side Story. I didn't like the original very much. I don't like this. But don't you think this is an improvement on the original? Uh, uh, yes, I do. Uh, I haven't gone back and watched it as, as you have. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Amazing. But wasn't made. Rachel Zegler just sensational as Maria? Uh, Yes, I thought I thought one of the other um, characters was also pretty impressive as well. She's fantastic. And what's really lovely, when you look at a biography, everything, everything was school performances. I mean, she's gone from being in school plays to this. Yeah, yeah. Quite it's uh, amazing. And nice. And you know, Ariana really, DeBose. Who I'm, I'm... Yeah, lovely. Lovely to, to see that. I mean, somebody just catapulted to fame from nothing, essentially. Um, it's really impressive. Okay, well, we're all, you know... We're all allowed our opinion, Simon. Absolutely, but I am glad that he's done better because it, 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 it was doing pretty abysmally before um, and deserves to do considerably better. Okay, so that's West Side Story, up 87%. So, on the subject of New York musicals, remind me, you saw Tick, Tick, Boom? I haven't seen it yet, no. Oh, okay. No, it is on my, my list. I do want you're, to... you're not allowed to not like that. Uh, okay, well, that's fine. The problem <laughs> I have is that I mentioned it to my partner, who's a great musicals fan, but I happened to mention it was, it was about the person who'd, who'd written Rent, and she said, oh, I hate Rent. So we haven't got past that yet. Yeah, I hated Rent the first time I saw it. Okay, well, I'll mention that. But, but yeah, I think I do, often I do want musicals to improve yeah. when you see them, and... Every time I see Rent, I get more out of it okay. again. Anyway, uh, moving on, at number six, we've got Encanto, which is Disney's latest cartoon, which is up 54%, now with a total of 6.1 million. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a bit upsetting because I thought this was a car crash of a movie. At number seven, Ridley Scott's House of Gucci, which has gone up 191%. Very Quite oddly, James, why? I have not seen this, but lots of people I'm talking to are going on how much how much they love it. What do they love about it? I have no idea. I think I, mean, I, so I got the impression it's sort of structured. campus, but I, well, I, maybe they James, thought it was a comedy. Know. 
<laughs> well, possibly so. Wouldn't that be splendid if they were all getting something out of completely different than Ridley Scott intended? It is yeah, Scott, it, isn't it? It is Ridley Scott, yeah. 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 Um, um, I thought it was a very bad year for Ridley Scott, because um, although I liked the last third of The Last Duel, which also mm. stars Adam Driver, I was very disappointed with the first two thirds. But yeah. House of Gucci has now made £8.7 million. At number eight, Ghostbusters Afterlife. That jumped up 118% for a total of £11 million. There's a new film at number nine called Titane, which I am seeing tonight, which made £122,000. Which is French from, and very weird by the sound of it. Very, very weird. It's what's known as body yes. horror. It's from Julia yes. DeCorno, who made Raw, which is one of my all-time favourite horror films. Probably not for you, Simon. Possibly and not. She, no, it sounds like the sort of film that Cronenberg would think twice about going to. Uh, but indeed. And yeah. Julia DeCorno is only the second woman in the history of the Cannes Film Festival to win its award for Best Director. So I'm really looking forward to that tonight. And at number 10... Well, got... I'm just pleased, James, sorry to go back, that, that you're, there is a cinema near you that is showing it, because so often during the last year you've been pointing out that there are films you desperately want to see that consider vaguely art house that come nowhere near you. I wish you hadn't mentioned that. It's, oh. a it's a screener link. Oh, okay. Right. Well, then, that's, <laughs> so, so you're in this, this, this problem for people. If you're not living in a big city, you, you have to wait till films come online to get to, get to see them, or indeed DVD or well, talking, like that. Talking of screener links, hmm. do you know who initiated the whole idea for sending out screeners to critics and Academy members? I have no idea at all. Couldn't even hazard a guess. Well, he was knighted in the New Year's Honours, and I was so thrilled for him. He's a British director called Sir John Borman now, who, in order to promote his film in 1985, The Emerald mm. Forest, sent out screeners, which at the time was completely unheard of. Then everybody thought, well, maybe we should do this. Well, I didn't know that, and I hadn't spotted that he'd been knighted either, so thank you for that, James. It didn't get, um, he did not get a lot of publicity, which I think is a shame, because he's one of mm. our finest directors. Yes. Yes, bright, okay. bright blank to hope and glory, etc. At number 10, we've got a film called 83, which is a Hindi sports drama, mm. which I don't think we need to dwell on. And that is our top 10. But I, I caught up with a lot of films on streaming over the Christmas period. Now, I believe you saw Don't Look Up. Oh, I did. I did. Yes. So why don't you lead us into it and then I can... Okay, you're going to bait me, are you? Um, well, I, I think your view is, is really more important, but I'll just chip in at <laughs> the end. You're very sweet. <laughs> well, this is directed by Adam McKay, and it's an analogy about the end of the world and how we're facing an environmental crisis. And much like David Wilkinson's Getting Away with Murders is as much about apathy as it is about crisis. And it's got this wonderful opening scene what I call the contact moment with Jodie Foster. But in this case, it's Jennifer Lawrence playing a, um, what is she? She's an astronomy PhD candidate, Kate hmm. Dabasky, who notices this aberration on her computer screen, which turns out to be a comet the size of Mount Everest hurtling towards Earth. And Adam McKay, I think, is probably the best satirist working in Hollywood. With the big short, he poked mm. fun at triple A subprime mortgage bonds, which I knew nothing about, but he kind of made it sexy. The intricacies of which were explained by Margot Robbie in R a bubble yes, bath. Yes, yes, I'm <laughs> sure that, that helped 
<laughs> get your concentration on the subject matter. Yes, I'm sure, James. Okay. <laughs> then, of course, he took Dick Cheney apart in Vice, yep. along with the White House, brilliantly played by Christian Bale. Yes. And, of course, Dick Cheney couldn't really sue Adam McKay because it was all true. And uh, Now he's taken up the end of the world. And I don't think... Uh, the end of the world has been so much fun, really. It's got an amazing cast, Ariana Grande to Meryl Streep. And I loved Kate Blanchett in this because she's, uh, she's a really bright spark in bimbo clothing. And there's this wonderful scene where she's explaining her achievements with Leonardo DiCaprio, mm. who plays Jennifer Lawrence's boss and professor. And she's saying that she speaks four languages, she's got three masters, she slept with two ex-presidents, and she's got two Monets. And he said, well, I got my Star Wars poster signed by Mark Hamill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I think she's terrific. There is so much fun in this film, and yet underneath it, particularly when he has these montages, a la David Attenborough, of the Green Planet and the wonders of our world. I mean... Sometimes I wish he would pull, have pulled his foot off the pedal a bit. Some of it is very over the top, but it's very black. It is a satire. It's a black dystopian comedy. I don't think there's any other way to explain it. And it's got some very important things to say, because basically uh, the president, played by Meryl Streep, is more concerned about her midterm elections and this is going to sort of dampen her chances. It's not a sexy enough story for TV news shows, and yet it is the end of the world, and nobody will listen, mm. um, which sounds frighteningly familiar. Yes. Well, I, just to be you know, awkward, I would give a different view. I found this really quite a tedious film in parts i watched it in four different chunks whereas if i'd actually been captivated i would have watched it in in one go i found it it was you mentioned adam mckay's films i mean it to me some of the actors seemed as if they were in a satire like vice or the big short and others seemed as if they were anchorman which is one of his early films um I, I, people like jonah hill and um um meryl streep seemed to me to be in some out-and-out -out comedy. You talked about Ray Fiennes being very funny in The King's Mum because he played deadpan. The actors who played it deadpan, I thought, were wonderful. But the tone kept changing. And all this stuff with this ridiculous president and her, and her son, I'm afraid, just took me away from reality so far that I couldn't care less, I'm afraid. I just found the tone very difficult. I mean, it's moderately entertaining, but I was expecting so much more because both Vice and The Big Short had been mm, so mm. good. Oh, gosh. Um... However, it's doing very well. I mean, it's, it's on Netflix, and it's, I, think it's, I think it's their top film in the UK at the moment. Um, so maybe that was just, just me. Um, well, the on problem the was of... you, needed, you needed to believe the reality, and if you didn't, it just made the film seem daft. Oh, I'm very sorry. Uh, has there been anything you've enjoyed recently with your disappointment <laughs> from so many of these um, great films? Well, oddly enough, a film that sort of came and went, uh, Come On, Come On, that Joachim Phoenix um, uh, film. I thought was very was very sweet. I, I may have mentioned this to you. I saw it in the, in uh, Cambridge in the uh, the picture house there. Um, and the problem, of course, is it's Joaquin Phoenix. And I kept thinking something awful was going to happen because he was in it. If somebody had told me before how charming the film was, I'm sure I'd have enjoyed it a lot more. But no, not very much. I've been watching some some old films. I think instead, just just 
um, really to give me a grounding. And I well, recommend him bringing up baby to somebody the other day who turned off very quickly because they couldn't stand Cary Grant's performance. Oh, so I don't know. Well, the best film I've seen over the Christmas period, I, I went to Christmas in Newcastle. I went to the Tyneside Cinema, which is an oh, art house multiplex. That's where I spent almost every night when I was a sixth former. Oh, I'm in love with the It used place. to be programmed by Sheila Whitaker. It's a fantastic place. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, they, there's a re-release, a reissue of a restoration of a film directed by Ernst Lubitsch called The Shop Around the Corner, which oh, yes, I cannot yes. believe, I believe I've never seen before. But oh. I thought it was a perfect movie. And oh, yes. I absolutely loved it. It is fantastic. It, um, and I cannot recommend it more. And it that's is the absolutely best brilliant. Film I've James, James Stewart and Margaret, oh, God, Margaret Sullivan. Mark Sullivan, thank you very much indeed. Yes, with lots of wonderful character actors in. Of course, it was a film that was also, I mean, it was based on a um, Hungarian play originally. Yes, a Hungarian uh, Mol play. Molnar, probably. I mean, most, so many of them were. And then that became You've Got Mail as well. It was the same, same story, essentially, same or origin. And it was remade as a couple of musicals. It uh, was, which I being, saw. Uh, she Loves Me. She Loves You. Yeah, yeah, She Loves Me, which I saw. Yeah, which was great fun. No, that is a super, a super film. I've but, seen it about four years ago. You can only watch it about every 10 years or, or you know, you just know too much about the plot. But um, how wonderful. But well, very James, quickly, because oh, yeah, yeah, we've very, probably very only got one minute. Uh, the Lost Daughter, one should see on Netflix, which is, have you seen it yet? Not yet, no. Okay, it, it is uh, getting a lot of Oscar buzz, deservedly. It's directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal it, with her directorial feature directorial debut f following in the footsteps of mm. so many actresses who are doing so well mm. uh, i suppose greta gerwig leading the charge but what an intelligent thoughtful I, I i wasn't as emotionally engaged maybe by the end as i should have been but oliva coleman gives such a multi-layered performance and you totally believe her character mm. and i cannot recommend it Enough. That's the lost order. Well, we can always return to that at a later date, James. But sadly, we are out of time. But that's it for the business of film for this week. But James will be back with more at the same time next week. I want to be alone. My precious. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> Aren't you? <laughs> 